Hey everyone, Bethany here. I want to do a trigger warning on this episode. I honestly don't even know what to say as the warning, but I would say that this is a lot of mature, very heavy content. If you are triggered by heavier topics, by dark themes, then definitely skip this episode. It's not even necessary for the main Kennedy timeline. My late husband, Peter Lawford, was born into controversy a fact that would foreshadow a life in which his name would be linked with the alleged murder of Marilyn Monroe. We need to talk about the Kennedy siblings. Episode 14. Welcome to Blood and Business. I'm Bethany. And I'm Cassie. Good evening, listeners. The story you are about to hear takes place in Hollywood, California, in the 1960s. Do not adjust your radio. We are in control. Today's KFM is dedicated to an honorary Kennedy, an in-law, Peter Lawford. And our main source from this episode is going to be The Peter Lawford Story. I picked this book because it's written by his fourth wife. So it's a lot of firsthand information. Well, secondhand information, I guess. Some of it's firsthand, some of it's secondhand. And Peter was actually working on a book before he passed. And he told her, which her name was also Patricia. So his first and last wife were both Patricia. Um, but he told her, if I pass and I don't get to finish my book, please finish it. Wow. And so she honored him in sharing his story. She seems like a very, very kind person. Um, she went through a lot and had a really rough life as well as Peter. So I have tabbed with, um, handy dandy post-it notes, parts and excerpts from the book that I'll be reading. And then Bethany and I will discuss. This is... The Peter Lawford Story, Life with the Kennedys, Monroe, and the Rat Pack by Patricia Seton Lawford with Ted Schwartz. (laughs) So a quick recap on what we learned about Peter and Pat in episode 14. Um, Peter is a British actor. Joe Kennedy did not really approve, but they didn't want to lose Pat because of the way that they lost kick with disapproving of like him not being a Catholic. Peter is the only person that Pat ever married. Mm -hmm. They were married for like 12 years, you said? 11, I think. And she never remarried. He was married four times. The book that Cassie's reading from is his fourth wife. Um, But Patricia Kennedy and Peter had four kids together. Those are the only four kids that he had. That's basically the gist. Right. Yeah. His life was forever marked by the Kennedys because they had kids together and... Once you get wrapped up into the Kennedys' lives, you can check out, but you can never leave. Ooh, <laughs> did you guys love that intro? I loved that Hotel California intro. Also, I thought that Peter and Frank Sinatra were friends prior to like Pat getting married uh-huh. with him. And I actually found Pat a little like bit more reason. insight. They had like co-starred in a movie or two, so they knew each other. But yeah, they weren't friends. And then no, I was, thought that he was a part of the Rat Pack before. No, 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 no. Like no, I thought no. he was just OG. Then there was the five to seven years of the ice, and it literally took Pat Kennedy having a conversation with him over dinner uh-huh. to a real Frank 
back in. Yeah. And it takes a turn. Like we are not done with Frank Sinatra in the main episode. No. It is wild and is fascinating how like the roller coaster of events that end up happening. It's just like so twisty turny because the power position keeps flipping between Frank Sinatra, the Kennedys, the Rat Pack, like who kind of is like the most absolutely in control and also has the the most most famous. Yeah. Like, yeah. Influence and power. It's fascinating. It's interesting how much Jack didn't cut Frank Sinatra off. I feel like he was like that with everyone. And that's what I was about to say. It's weird how they didn't get rid of people that like they definitely should have. Yeah. There are a lot of complicated situations, a lot of complicated personalities, but like any hardship, it is the greatest, greatest teacher as well. And that's kind of how she opens up the book with her forward. So I'm going to read a little bit of that. If I knew then what I know now, not a thing would I change. In spite of all the difficulties one encounters by living with a performer, that life is by far the greatest teacher. Peter was a great believer in learning from negative situations, a belief he permanently instilled in me. Throughout all the pain of drug and alcohol abuse, the man's personality was so powerful that I found myself blinded to the horror I was experiencing. It wasn't until I developed as a woman and as an adult that I realized he did not have all the answers. Then I sought help for this person who shaped my life and gave to me more love than I had ever known. After he died on Christmas Eve, he always did have great timing. The team of doctors attending him for the last year of his life took me into a conference room and said, Mrs. Lawford, we want you to know that you prolonged Peter's life by many years and you should have no guilt about his passing. Guilt I don't have, but one always feels, God, I wish I could have saved him. Throughout our 10 years together, Peter shared with me the intimate details of his life. He was planning an autobiography before he died and told me, If anything should ever happen to me, Patricia, for Christ's sakes, do the book. I've told you everything. He had experienced great trepidation about many subjects to be covered in this book. For example, the Kennedys and Marilyn Monroe. To the end, he remained loyal to one of Hollywood's great mysteries. I feel there are stories that should be told about this man and his life among Hollywood's elite and America's royalty. It is with his blessing that I embark on this project. Patricia Seton Lawford, Los Angeles, California. So with that, let's start at the beginning. Peter Lawford was born into a terrible situation. So you know how we always talk about his mom as Mady Lay Okay. Lady May Lawford. Yes, actually refresh our memory on that because did you just talk about Frank Sinatra's mom with me or was that in the episode? It was in the episode. Okay, so we might be getting them confused a little bit. Lady May Lawford is the one who like did the, was spiteful to the Kennedys, Uh was really degrading to her son, her one and only son, right? And his dad was the fighter that broke both wrists. Nope. That's Frank. Okay. And let's back up. Okay, so before she was Lady May Lawford, she was May Allen, living in India with her husband, Colonel Ernest Allen, who was in the British military and being commanded by General Sir Sidney Lawford. As you may 
have put together already. There was an affair. There were letters. How horrible is that? You are literally serving. And your commander and your wife have an affair in front of you. What? And just wait. This needs like eight trigger warnings. Like, it's not good. The affair probably would have remained discreet, like all of the other affairs that he was having, if Lady May had not become pregnant. And so, May explained to her husband that she would be divorcing him, but what happened next may have profoundly affected May Allen's sanity. What? The colonel summoned her to his office, the... Boss. Her husband. No, her husband. Not the general. Okay. Her husband. Meeting her at the door when she arrived, the first thing she noticed was his regal dress uniform that he was like dressed to the freaking nines, but that he was barefoot. I don't know how we should talk about this. I'm so scared. Yeah. I just, I went through it yesterday. I was mentally not well after reading this book. Are you going to start crying? (laughs) No, but I'm just like, I don't even know if I should talk about any of this, you know? I don't understand. I won't describe it, maybe. Okay, I won't describe it. But can I just tell you Mm. that nothing makes me feel more privileged in my life than hearing stories like this? Mm -hmm. I, because I don't understand how things like this are real life. Mm -hmm. And the fact that that's hard for me to imagine is a very. You're grateful. Oh my gosh, am I grateful? I could cry. Mm -hmm. The thing was that in a very, 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 very graphic and violent way, her husband took his own life in front of her. Yes. What? Mm -hmm. While she's pregnant with this baby. There's really no easy way to talk about this, but if you want the full... uncensored version um, both of this story and then also of a lot of other scenes in Peter's life then you can read the book but I don't want to say some of these things out loud so I'm just not going to but you'll know what's going on by my description okay okay so if I can come up with something similar that paints the picture for you What Jackie saw happen to Jack, Lady May saw happen to her husband, but it was by choice. Mm -hmm. And we know what happened to Jackie after she saw that. Yeah. And that wasn't by choice. Someone calling you in there to watch, you know? Yeah. Like that is just your worst nightmare. Like literally your worst nightmare. That is a scene from hell. Yeah. Then she gives birth to this baby. Peter was born at home. He was a breech birth. His body weight was low and the umbilical cord was wrapped around his neck. He was named Peter Sidney Von Allen, the last link with his dad. Or I guess not his dad, his mom's husband. The Sidney is from the actual birth. Right. The father. So... It's interesting. I don't know. I guess she didn't give him his dad's last name. She gave him her her um, ex husband's last name. But but he ends up going by Lawford, which is his last name. Yeah. Later on, these family dynamics are just something else. 
Obviously, it created a love-hate relationship with her son. And it says that she would constantly try to purposely find ways to humiliate him, which is why she dressed him in girls' clothing. And it said that she dressed him in private in girls' clothing um, in the other books that I read. But they've got a picture of him in this book. And he's just like a flapper girl, but she had like professional photos taken of him dressed mm-hmm. like that. He has the headband and like the flowers on his dress and like everything. And these are Peter's formative years. These are the years that he's basing his identity and his core beliefs of who he is, who the world is, all that. This That's what this is based on. Yeah. How other humans operate, how the world works. And your mother, who's supposed to be caring for you, who says she loves you, is doing all she can to him to humiliate you and make you feel as little as possible. It was literally to try to cause pain to her son. That's a hard, I mean, any sort of abuse with parents or with people that you are supposed to trust and love, that just creates such a complex dichotomy or like scenario in in your kid brain because you don't have the you don't have any sort of reality as a base. Right. To check that. Mm-hmm. To be like, that was awful. Messed up. Yeah. You just are creating your That's view of your the foundation. world with that. Yeah. And then therefore, your the rest of your life is so skewed. Mm-hmm. It's so hard to undo that. May would never admit to the truth of Peter's conception, despite the evidence from his birth certificate. When she wrote her autobiography, the one that was named a very choice and delicate word, um, she told a story of having her first husband die without leaving her any money. She claimed that he left it all to his girlfriend, a woman who, from reading the other documentation of everyone around, was probably just a made up figment of her imagination. She created the fiction that she went to live with her father and thought nothing of dating. The general was, a, so the the guy that she had Peter with was a friend of her father's who she claimed approached her only when she was in young widowhood and that the marriage, which was allegedly passionless, she was, it was just a practical partnership. She also commented that she hated sex. She never wanted to have it. It was like a disgusting thing for her. And it goes against everyone else who was involved in the situation, their reports. But she commented, quote, Peter was an awful accident. I did everything to prevent such an accident, including the cause of such accidents. After I married, I used to lie awake and make up excuses to my husband to keep from having to endure that horrible, messy, unsanitary thing that all husbands expect from their wives. The freaking way that she describes things is just absolutely jarring and unsettling. Did she create this fantasy because her having to believe that she caused her husband to? Maybe, yeah. She just couldn't accept reality anymore. Or was she already that way? I don't know. Like she she just created a world where she was the victim every way you look at it. Correct. Yes. Pretty much yes. I can still remember slipping to the kitchen and getting uncooked meat, which I rubbed against my nightdress. I was always having my period. 
but oh, that horrible time when I really did not have my period. I rushed to Lord Evans to hear my fears confirmed. I was two and a half months pregnant. Oh, God. Even too late for an abortion, of course. I don't believe in that anyway. It's murder. I've never approved of abortion. Yet I never wanted Peter. I can't stand babies. They run at both ends. They smell of sour milk and urine. I never saw Peter until he was washed and perfumed. Ugh, Peter was such a mistake. No, I don't think Peter knows he was an accident. It might hurt him if he knew. Lady! But I made the general promise there would be no more babies ever. The pregnancy may have been upsetting and may probably did not wish to have children. However, there was an intense passion at the start of the relationship with the general. Peter was the result of an extramarital affair with a man who delighted in having sex with beautiful women. If she ever did come to despise sex, something quite doubtful while Sir Sidney was alive, then it was as a result of guilt and it was a radical change from her earlier feelings. It was September 7th, 1923, when Peter was born. Lady May Lawford admitted to being married in 1924, not realizing that Peter's birth certificate was a public record and would reveal the truth. <laughs> like, what in the crud? Yeah, she seems like frantic, but in a childlike way. Like she's just making up things and like truly believing that no one's going to find her out. And if you're an adult, or, how are you? Or so maybe confused? she can just lie to herself enough to where even if like she's not even going to think about the fact that people probably know she's lying. She just would as rather lie anyway. Exactly. Yeah. She's not going to be confronted about it. So uh -huh. whatever. It says May was uncomfortable with the son who was the focal point for so much conflict and pain. She humiliated him in any way she could, dressing him as a girl in all the latest styles for the opposite sex for the first nine years of his life. His family album contains photographs of one of the most adorable flappers ever to be raised. The horror of the photograph is the knowledge that the flapper is actually a boy, Peter, who was relatively isolated from other children during those early years. And she took him out on all these trips with the general. They were always traveling and she had multiple nannies to take care of him, but she did not let him go to school and she did not take a tutor with them. But she lied to her friends saying that, he, that one of the nannies was a tutor because she knew that her friends would see it as abuse if she told them I'm preventing him from being educated. So that she knew. So sick and twisted. She knew. And she did it on purpose. And Peter said later, quote, The biggest mistake which I was to find out was that because of not going to school, I would feel inferior for a long time. He felt himself to be a fraud despite his sophistication, a brilliant mind, and a fluency in several languages, an attitude that led in part to his self-destructiveness in later years. The importance of learning was not lost to Peter, though. He became a slow but avid reader, keeping a dictionary always close at hand. As an adult, he bragged that there was a period in his life when he took a dictionary to bed, teaching himself the meaning and proper use of two new words each night. In that way, he was able to increase both his vocabulary and his understanding of the world around him. May's flamboyance led her to become interested in the movies. And this story is so similar to Shirley Temple's story, which is funny. But they were taking a tour of a movie lot, a studio. And the little kid who was in the movie was supposed to like put 
pants on a dog or something like that. And they were like, we can get this done in one take, maybe two. And he just kept messing up, kept messing up. And they were wasting all of the film because it's like you can't reuse that like physical film. He was costing them a ton of money. So Peter is just on a tour with his mom. And the director was like, this kid needs to freaking get out of here. You come over here and do this role. And he was given a contract, a week's work, and he enjoyed the acting because it literally got him away from his mother. Wow. Which is so sad. But he was like, when am I going to do another one? And Lady May was like thrilled that he was interested in movies. So that is how his acting career was born. It's also weird that his mom was okay with him having the limelight in such a positive way. I know. Because like he wanted her to be, or she wanted him to be humiliated and disgusted with himself. But then he, she also allowed him to have this, yeah, like, because role, and she wanted him to feel as crap as he could about himself. But any positive, like public limelight, she could or he could bring to her, she was going to live vicariously through that. But she wanted to make sure that on the inside, deep down, he really felt like crap. But remember in the episode, I said that I think she's narcissistic because. Yeah people say that she lived through her son's accomplishments and she bred him to bring her fame, basically. And how old is Peter here? Like eight or nine. Okay. And then when he was 10, the story gets even freaking worse. Actually, he has had lots of trauma in his life. One time, whenever he was really little, like I think he might have been like two. One of the nannies always used to give him a bath and then dry him over the radiator like with the heat and she didn't get all the soap off of him one time and he slipped out of her hands and landed on the radiator and he had like really, really, really bad scarred burns from that. Yeah, his skin just like immediately just singed off of his body. (gasps) She was fired. (laughs) When he was 10 years old is what happened. with What you mentioned in the main episode. Yeah. This is Peter. Quote, one lovely day, she suggested, his nanny, we take a picnic basket and go off into the country, which was quite close by. What fun, I said to myself, and off we went. Let me make it quite clear that up to now, there had been no mention, even in jest, of anything pertaining to sex. We found this lovely spot in a meadow under a tree. There were some beautiful flowers growing wild all around us. We had our sandwiches and some fruit. I was comfortably full and felt relaxed and happy. And then it describes what happened next. And it's absolutely horrific. And it describes the entire interaction. Then the subsequent occasion of them going to the park or the the meadow to eat a picnic, she brought a friend. Uh-huh. Another freaking woman. Yes. How many sick people are yep. on this freaking planet? I don't understand. Prior to this, had he not been sexually abused? I'm not sure. The book talks about the uncle situation after the nanny situation. So I'll read that part to you too, but I'm not sure. It doesn't say like which year the uncle happened. Okay. The way that he talks about it, I believe that this was the first situation and then the uncle thing happened later because of the way that he describes it. He says, Well, in my life, I have never experienced such a feeling. To try and describe where my head went would be futile. I was to learn later on that that was the beginning of my sexual addiction. The opposite sex would be 
was and is still being chased. The season is always open. So it's like he didn't know at all what was going on. So I think that this is the first, the first experience. Oh my gosh. And he, it was an extremely complex situation because he's a little boy. He's 10 years old. Doesn't know what the crap's going on. Trust this person. And it feels good. Yeah. Like he does not know how to. And he's so isolated prior to this. Identify. And also has yeah. such a negative relationship with his mother mm-hmm. that it would feel extra good to have such positive attention from your right. nanny and you're on a picnic, you're having like one-on-one attention and then she's bringing her friends. Yep. And it's like a horrible, horrible, horrible thing to do to a kid's mind. Yeah. But it's like for him, a retreat from the toxic, dark abuse exactly. from his mother. So, so his it, brain is creating that as a positive, overly positive experience. And then- in British culture and especially in the elite society, a nanny was almost like a second mother. Mm-hmm. She was with you way more than your actual mom was. She was teaching you things, clothing you, bathing you, feeding you. I mean, it was, it said that it's it's borderlining on like an ancestral relationship because though you're not blood related, that is the relationship that you have. Right. She's your caretaker. Yeah. Yeah. A nanny took over all the functions functions of an American mother, cleaning the child, taking care of it, not letting the child into the presence of his parents until he was suitably presentable, usually at mealtimes. So she had absolute power over him, mm-hmm. absolute privacy. Then when dinner was over, the child would be taken away by the nanny so as not to disturb the adult's activities. Just he is thrown to the wolves. Like there's no protection there. This close relationship- no, like- siblings either to get companionship or camaraderie or to talk like hey is this happening to you normal yeah Yeah. there's no intimacy with any other person like Mm -hmm. every person that he has an intimate relationship with is abusing him in one way or another and this also brings back that idea of the sphere because i think we talked about this in the bouvier episodes but i think it's easy to think that the elite society is super privileged and doesn't understand reality, Mm -hmm. does not live in the real world. And I think that the proper middle class, like the true middle class is the- You're getting the best. You have the best, yeah, of both worlds because you don't have all of the pressure and the expectations and the like unsaid rules of like the stringent society. The judgment and the the shame inducing pressure. Yeah, and basically you have to be an adult from the get-go- in certain ways, because either your parents are so absent and they're doing their own thing mm-hmm. with careers and society, whatever, or like in this scenario, they're not around to protect you. So you've got to figure out what's life on happening. your own terms. Yeah. yeah. Whereas with people in the lower socioeconomic status, they also don't are have home alone a lot. Alone. They're often fending for themselves, raising themselves, raising their siblings, and also have to figure out the way of the world. And when you're alone like that, you've got to trust whatever adults are around. So you literally just have to take what you can get. So if adult, if an adult is telling them, this is what we do, this is good, they don't have the experience to know otherwise. Yeah. It's the ultimate abuse. Yeah, exactly. This close relationship with the nanny was so similar to that of mother and child that sex acts caused 
sexual problems similar to those that can be caused by incest. Peter came to fear intimacy, yet desire frequent sexual relations, preferring the impersonal approaches of certain things and as many partners as possible. Um, I think that the bringing the second woman was very damaging as well. Oh my God, I'm sure. Oh my gosh. It's... Because they, they participated together. Yeah, and it makes sense too that he was chasing the feeling more than the mm-hmm. intimate connection because he really... You can't have a real relationship with someone like that. Like clearly, obviously that's not... And he's never really even had that. So he mm-hmm. doesn't even know... Right. That that's truly that what mom. I'm searching. And I think that you can see that a lot in people like Marilyn Monroe as well. The sex and the almost with Jack kind of too. It's like, that's kind of that's what the only chasing. thing they knew. So that's what they kept going to get more of. Right. But it was a bottomless hole of desire because that's not what true truly fulfills. True love. Yeah. Peter never told anyone what was happening with the nanny. However, he did tell his parents about an uncle who tried to sexually molest him. He was staying with his uncle one night when he was awakened by a pillow being pushed over his head. The uncle was trying to suffocate the boy just enough to stop resistance. Correct. So he told his parents, his parents would like banned the uncle from ever hanging out with the family again. Well, at least there's that. My gosh. Yeah. But he never said anything about the nanny because it was a more positive experience. Yeah. Makes sense why the uncle was like freaking half trying to kill him. He's like, okay, this is not good. I'm going to tell someone. I think that the isolation truly laid the groundwork for the abuse because- A, he didn't have healthy experiences or positive, like truly positive relationships with anyone prior. So he had no- Well, like the first abuse bred the second abuse. Yeah. The emotional and physical abandonment and verbal abuse from his mother created the groundwork for the nanny to come in and sexually abuse him or or truly anyone because he was isolated. He didn't have positive experiences or- or an idea of a healthy relationship prior to go and basically tell, like kids have to feel Mm -hmm. safe with someone in order to divulge those types of things, A. And B, he thought that those were positive experiences with the nanny because he was so like lonely and starved for attention, love, connection. So that is what created Peter Lawford. That is what he had to carry around with him. And it was the 1940s, 50s, 60s. Not only did we not know much about the brain, therapy wasn't a thing. You don't talk about things. So he just dealt with his issues in the ways that he knew. And he probably never re-examined what those experiences really were and to realize the level of abuse. So he just continued on being addicted to sex and trying to cover up the same hole with the same Band-Aid for the rest of his life until then he turned from just sex addiction to then an alcohol addiction, then to a pill addiction, then to, um, you know. Yeah. So it just spiraled. Mm-hmm. But that's interesting that he says that that's where his sexual addiction started. Mm-hmm. So he was aware that it was an addiction, that there was something extreme about it. Yeah, he didn't. he did know that for sure. So that is Peter Lawford. That is where he came from. And that is what he had to work with. So he's shoved into the Hollywood world by his mother who wanted him to become an actor. And he did get 
obviously. Though by his mother who didn't want him to exist. Yeah. Anyway, so then he gets to Hollywood. Hollywood is another pack of wolves. Just a lot of people who have had similar backgrounds to him. We talked about Frank Sinatra just a little bit. Dude, Hollywood is such a breeding ground for, like, they, I don't, I'm not so sure that they just, like, seek out children who who have been abused. But, oh my gosh, especially during this time. Yeah. It was so just, like, take advantage of I that situation. I think because you know? a lot of Hollywood back then, whenever it was first starting to be built, and there was a lot of recruiters and people who were, on the ground level of Hollywood. Just absolutely taking advantage. We're kind of, yeah, because- It's like the Wild West. The girls who are- Available. N- available and don't have people watching out for them, don't have people saying you can- Being annoying and bothersome and exactly, hurting the Or machine. saying, do not comply if someone asks you to do this. Yeah. It's desperate girls who- Will want, go into a room. Will do anything. Yeah. Marilyn Monroe would do anything- to, oh. to get to land a role. And Ava Gardner, I read a little bit about her because she was married to Frank Sinatra and she's part of that whole story. Um, and she was from a very lower income uh, family. Her dad got some sort of illness and wasn't able to work anymore. She was from, I think like North Carolina or something like that. And her mom was the cook for some sort of school. Um, and she had like eight brothers and sisters and she just came from, you know, not much. And so she was starstruck by yeah. the whole situation. So she visited her sister one time in New York and her brother-in-law was a photographer who took a picture of her and put it up in their store. And then a recruiter saw her photo and saw how beautiful she was. And then she's like, sure, absolutely. Yes, 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 yes. You know? Mm-hmm. So it's it's those people who don't have that's like the Advocacy same thing with the addiction, though, mm-hmm. too. You're, like, looking for the high. Yeah. Kids who are super happy with their life are not willing to, like, Looking risk for a lot. value like that on that level. Mm-hmm. And they know what safety feels like. Yeah. Oh, that's so true. They know when something feels sketchy or, like, unnerving. People who come from an unnerving, sketchy background know nothing so else. They're desensitized. There. Yeah. To living in that feeling and... They know no strangers because yeah. everybody's a stranger. Mm-hmm. So Peter goes from that world to the world of Hollywood. Joe Narr was one of his closest friends at the time. So there are several quotes that we'll be reading from him. But he said that this period of their lives was like this. Quote, the beach was a huge part of our lives. Peter was glued to the beach every second he wasn't working. He was a super volleyball player. He taught me to play volleyball. He was a board surfer, and he tried to teach me how to board surf. Everybody in our crowd did everything he did. He was the star of State Beach. And always there were parties, a lot of parties at his house, at people's homes. I went to Arthur Lowe's house one night, and Gene Kelly was there with Dean Martin and Jerry Lewis. Elizabeth Taylor was about 14 or 15, and they were trying to get her to say the F word, and they couldn't. (laughs) (laughs) Wait, so how old is Peter at this point? Is he like in his like teenage years or? No, he's he's an adult. Uh He's an adult. That was when she was 14 or 15 years old with those purple eyes that were so gorgeous. She had a crush on Peter. In those days, you'd see Elizabeth Taylor on the beach. She'd be waiting for Peter, looking for Peter. This was the crush Peter never took advantage of. I'd pick up Ava Gardner to take her to the beach because Peter couldn't pick her up. We all sat in the same place and Peter would join us. 
this is before he's involved with the Kennedys, but after World War II. Okay. 1923. So he's a little bit younger than Jack. Um, Six years younger than Jack. Sheesh. So he he's similar to Pat's age, though. So Pat was born in 1924. He was born in 1923. So she's just a year younger than him. Perfect. And I didn't look at the months they were born. So maybe not even a year, but yeah, they're basically the same age. Yeah. And lived opposite lives. Like we said, Peter was exposed to everything. Pat was exposed to almost nothing. And even the things she was exposed to, she didn't know the real truth behind them. So everything was sunshine, lollipops and roses. Okay, and this is more context for Peter and Frank's reconciliation. And I don't know why, but it just gets me. I'm like, oh, okay. So after Pat and Frank talked at the dinner, Pat invited Frank over to their house to have drinks and everything. And Frank accepted. Peter and Frank began talking at the Lawford home with really no mention of the five to seven years of the ice. And the breaking of the legs. And the breaking of the legs and the ice and all the things. They avoided the past talking about a film called Ocean's Eleven, which Peter had just bought the rights to, okay? Not long after this, Frank decided to join Pat and Peter on a trip to Rome. Ava Gardner was living there and Sinatra thought, hmm, I'll go ahead and tag along because maybe I can see Miss Ava Gardner, which does make me freaking sad as well because that means I would think that he really, I don't know, either loved her or definitely had a fondness for her beyond just the like- Wait, because they were married? Infatuation, yes. The, Ava, Ava and is the one that he was going to break Peter's legs over? Over, yes. Because, because they, had got- they had just split and okay. Frank did not want to at all. And actually that story of them splitting is kind of crazy as well and heavy. Do you want me to tell it to you? Yeah. So Ava was leaving him. She like packed all her things and she's freaking getting out of there. Wait, how long were they married? And Frank said, I don't know, a few years. Okay. But yeah, you can look it up. Not like a decade. No. Okay. But Frank Frank was like, I'm going to kill myself. And Ava said, no, you're freaking not. So she walks out to the lobby and she's like, Frank Sinatra's in there. He's just shot himself. They call the ambulance and everything. And Frank is just pacing in his bedroom. And she like called his bluff and she was like, no. So I didn't want to tell that story, but. Oh my gosh. So Frank was just humiliated and she was like, I know you, you would never do that. And she was calling his bluff, but I feel like she was still kind of trying to make sure that someone was going in the room after her. Just, yeah, but it wasn't going to be her. She wasn't going to, it wasn't going to work. Yes. She wasn't going to be a victim to the situation. Yeah. Yeah, but I think that they really did care about each other. It's just like how Peter's <laughs> wife said, but Pat was innocent and Peter was unable, uh, incapable of loyalty. Frank and Ava Similar. loved each other, but it was just toxic. They just didn't have the coping skills to be able to manage their emotions. I don't know why they all f- wanted to get married so badly. Are you kidding me? But I guess they want, want security. Yeah. They want commitment. They want the... I don't think that anyone wants, I don't think any of them want to even be promiscuous. It's like they just can't. Mm -hmm. It's like the quote about Jack. I guess I just can't help it. Yeah. I look like a little boy about to cry. Mm -hmm. Like like they don't want that life. They don't want those vices. They just can't figure out how to 
solve the, the underlying issue. Yeah. So Frank was still years later wanting to, to see Abe. I mean, this is, so like that, the breaking of the legs was five to seven years of silence. I've seen, this book says seven. The Kennedy women said five, but it was years. Yeah. So and, and that's, Frank and Peter had not talked. Since Frank and Peter had not talked and Frank and Ava had, had split. split. Yes. And still, five to seven years later, Frank is like, oh, you guys are going to Rome? Ava lives there. Let me go I'll see her. I'll tag along and see if she'll see me. I know. I'm so sad. And Frank was also a, an only child. Yep. Mm-hmm. Living without siblings is just the worst. Despite Sinatra's efforts, he was not able to see Gardner on this trip to Rome. But he did have a really good time with Pat and Peter. This is Peter. Quote, In those days, I was still drinking, so we stayed up all night, and I'll never forget the next morning. It was very early, and the sun was shining, really beautiful. Frank looked at me, bleary-eyed, and said, Charlie, I'm sorry. All I said to him was, I am too. It was such a waste of time, but it was so hard for Frank to say he was sorry. Oh my gosh. Charlie, I'm sorry. It's so sad because they're like trying to do their best, but they're just out of control. Yeah. Just cannot overcome. But the fact that he didn't have to bring bring up what it was, he didn't have Mm -hmm. to address it, and Peter accepted the three words that he could get out, you know? And they're all these, like, very isolated, lonely, broken people, like, trying to make the most of the cards they've been dealt. Mm -hmm. Like, they... Because at at first, especially, like, before we started on the whole Kennedy story, I was definitely judgmental of the life choices and they really were just trying to make the best. Like, like they were, they didn't know what to do. And so they, they didn't just, know what to do. And we don't, we can't even imagine how little they knew what to do. Because first of all, we didn't grow up like that. Second of all, dude, it's the 1940s and 50s. Things were just different. You didn't have the internet. You didn't have people being open and talking about their problems. Yeah. And so they were like, okay, this is what has happened to me. I know my past and I know what's been done to me and what I've done. And it's almost like they could, it's like Jackie. She never had a shot at being a true like Kennedy, like Mm -mm, Ethel did. So instead of trying to be a goody two shoes and academic and contribute to the world in that way, they're like, how can I contribute to the world? It's through the arts and through singing, acting, dancing, performing, making friends, making friends, um, connecting people with each other. They were all like trying to contribute to the do world what in the they way knew how that to they do. knew how. Yeah. They didn't know. They didn't have the best education and they didn't have the best understanding. They didn't have the most privilege and love, but they could freaking perform for you and make you laugh and make you smile and bring like warmth into your make home. Make you feel something. Yeah. They knew how to feel. They were really trying to contribute. And I never think about that with Frank Sinatra and those types of people mm-hmm. that 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 they were just because they weren't Jack Motherfucking Kennedy and mm-hmm. and Eunice Kennedy making the Special Olympics and tearing down civil rights. They like didn't know they, how to do that. They didn't know how to do that, but they were contributing to the world in yeah. a way that they 
Yeah, that was my whole thing about Kick was I was saying, you know, even Andy Warhol, like he didn't pave the way for disabilities, but he did contribute joy and reflection and the acknowledgement of feelings and beauty and pain and all that. And that's so helpful for a society, for a people to grow and to flourish. And I wish that Kick would have just figured out what she wanted to contribute. So that trip to Rome was just a couple of months before the whole New Year's Eve and the the throwing of the clothes into the pool and the bonfire. <laughs> so how's it, George? How's so, George? <laughs> I don't know. I like I love that so much. Um, but obviously Frank is like, oh my gosh, I just made these really really good friends. He's like put himself out there. Who knows if he had BPD or just severe abandonment issues yeah. from his dad, from his mom, from whatever. I mean, I'm just, I'm just thinking from his divorce as well. From his divorce, as soon as they they said, "Hey, we don't really want to come that much." He's just like rejection, abandonment, just <gasps> just all that feelings. like panic. Yes, and. I was going to mention this earlier that, did I ever say this? What? That they were like creating their own family. They were all very lonely, isolated no. people who were having to like manufacture right. this family unit uh-huh. and they didn't have a place to belong. So they didn't have hyenas port with Rose, always making sure that you had a special friend. All and- your cousins, your siblings, your aunts and uncles, everyone around you all the time. They were lonely. Most of them were only children. Marilyn was an only child in the foster system. Frank was an only child. Peter was an only child. So they were truly alone and trying to create a sense of community, a sense of family. And so they were so desperate for that. Mm -hmm. And that the first sign of, oh, these people are going to back off these people. I'm not doing enough performing to keep these people around. And that could have been a lot of vibes. Yes, exactly. Mirable. So that could have been a lot of Frank's um, rash decisions with the whole panic. Judith Campbell Exner and connecting her That's to so JFK true. with Sam. He's just like, You're, I've got to keep these people around. Yes, he's literally just trying to keep everyone happy. And yeah. he like he is trying to keep Jack happy with all the girls and the mob happy with who he's bringing around. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh, so much pressure. So then he's immediately trying to balance he's like, all of it. I'm doing everything I can and I'm still not doing enough. Then he freaks out Uh, for two weeks is MIA and he comes calling up. Yep. And three weeks later, they were back in Palm Springs. They really are trying to make the best out of the cards that they've been dealt. Like they, there's always an iceberg under the surface. Mm -hmm. And who's to say that that isn't the best use of the situation? Like what's the better thing to hate yourself for the fact that you're a victim of trauma and you have all this baggage. What isolate yourself more? No, no, they, contributed to the world in the way that they knew how and tried to make friends and yep. bring a sense of community. Yeah. Better at making friends than I am. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and pretty freaking good at forgiving too. Yep. Accepting people how, however they yes, like needed the to show up. Way, yep. They were, they accepted each other for who they were and didn't try to force each other to be. Yep. Like Pat said, well, what is this sweet man going to do? This time. <laughs> and Next. when you get, when we age that new pair of jeans, just don't take them down to Frank's. Mm-hmm. But we're going back. Mm-hmm. 
I guess I actually do want to do a Rat Pack mini-sode later because... Sorry, that's truly kind of going back to the last episode or was the last KFM that we said... It was the last KFM. We said acceptance. Like, you have to accept uh-huh. the reality of right. the relationship, of the cards you've been dealt, and they just accepted each other for who they were, accepted themselves for who they were, and... Yeah, instead of Frank or Peter hating themselves for being addicts, for having disorders and clearly emotional issues. uh, Yeah, unwell. They kind of just accepted, okay, this is how I've turned out. Who cares? Like they weren't constantly going back to reassess, well, why am I the way that that is? Yeah, they weren't going to let shame bury them. Mm -hmm. They were going to move on and and keep living life. Uh Accepted their own faults and their own flaws and that helped them accept the other person's faults and and flaws Mm -hmm. and it's like we said in last kfm that they were determined to create their own identity and peter obviously had no control or choice of what happened to him as a kid and he was still able to figure out a way to write his own story he he, yeah got to write the rest of his life and he didn't, he could have so easily allowed that um, shame and trauma to absolutely bury him. And instead, like you said, of course, it still is with you and your story is your story. And he had baggage and yeah. trauma. Yeah, and the, the things that did take him out were like symptoms of, of that. Yeah, But he still, in the way that he knew how, created his own life mm-hmm. and his own identity and chose the people that were around him and yeah. chose who he was going to love. It's just uh, so like when that is the first 10 years of your life, when that's the first 15 years of your life, what are you to do? I literally don't know. I mean, especially like you said, back then when they were, you couldn't get on your phone and, and get therapy or have access to other people's stories and, you were truly I mean that would have had to on be your own kid. A spiritual miracle to set him free from those things. Because those were such foundational And that's interesting too. Experiences. Like, why did he not take advantage of what's her name? Because she was young and he had been taken advantage of when he was young, maybe? Maybe. But so often people just repeat Elizabeth what's been Taylor. done to them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that. Peter was never able to overcome his sexual addiction and that got lame over the years, especially with his drug abuse. He wasn't stimulated in the same way that he was before he took drugs. And so it just, it ate up a lot of his life and definitely affected a lot of his relationships and I'm sure traumatized the women that he was married to. But... It never seemed that he took advantage of a person on purpose. Like when Pat panicked and freaked out, it seems that they just didn't have sex anymore really a lot, you know? Like when he was not super forceful and just uh, he, hmm. yeah, wasn't trying to fight this sex addiction, but he wasn't going to force that upon other people either, even his own wife maybe. Yeah. Yeah. I think that he understood the pervertedness of his perspective on sex and 
was just like, this is the way that I am. But yeah, it's like almost he tried to confine it or keep it in a corner of his life that he was going to participate in, but that he wasn't going to be a total slave to and wasn't going to drag others into because his fourth wife, she said that she did participate in things that she wasn't comfortable with to try to please him. And she wasn't like getting taken care of or correct herself. But like when she was like, all right, I don't want to do this. Like I'm not enjoying this. Then it was like, okay. Interesting. Then I think it was like that with Pat too. Like he wanted them to participate, but then they said that they didn't want to. And then he's not preying on people. Yeah. As, as people preyed on him. Right. What kind of affairs was he having? Um, not long-term ones. Like not emotional affairs. Correct. Literally really a sex that. addiction. That's it. Yeah, I felt like it could have stayed together. Yeah. Yeah, he, he didn't want to be married to anyone else. He said, Pat's about the only girl I've ever met oh, that I could be married so to. That's so sad. That is so sad. Just you wait. And like what, literally, what was he to do? You know. That's the and thing. And what was Pat to do? Like well, she couldn't say oh, that. I know. And- uh, the whole Pat being a virgin previously, like they, it is a widely known and confirmed fact that they did not have sex before they were married. And he respected that. I'm sure he freaking went and had sex with other people, mm-hmm. but it wasn't like he's just freaking some monster who takes, 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 takes. Mm-hmm. He just had a freaking issue yeah. that was a direct correlation to what his experience was as a child. Yeah. Yeah, his biggest fault, and that was probably just not being honest enough with her. Correct. Prior. Yes. Saying, like, I am incapable of being loyal. <laughs> yeah. Like, I have this issue. I'm fine with it if you are. <laughs> Giving her the opportunity, you know? The opportunity right. that Jackie yes. had to say no, and she yes. decided, okay, I still want to go along with this. Pat was blindsided. <laughs> yeah. And maybe that was based in shame. Jack had absolutely no shame. And I'm a girl. I know all. you're gonna want me with, even though here's all my cards, me. and I know I'm coming out positive. Yeah. <laughs> Truly. And she was like, "I you know believe you I are, have the coping skills in place." <laughs> you are going out positive. Agreed. So. <laughs> Peter was like, "Please, someone yeah. love me and commit to me." I'm not sure if you really know the true me. If you would be okay with it, mm-hmm. and if you would love me, if you would think I'm worth it, and Jack knew he was worth it anyway. Mm-hmm. And if not, he would find someone. He was sure that he would find someone who would love him. Right. And Peter Peter wasn't sure. Such a scarcity mindset. Join us here next week to hear all about the intimate letter Peter wrote to Jack from rehab 20 years after losing him. Thank you all for listening to today's episode. If you enjoyed it, please give us a review on Apple, rate us on Spotify, and share Blood and Business with a friend or a sibling. If you'd like to support the show, the best way is to become a patron of Blood and Business. You will get bonus content every month, including a monthly bonus episode, interactive main episodes, and behind-the-scenes footage. To keep up with us day-to-day, you can follow us at Blood and Business on Instagram and TikTok. You can find the link for Instagram, TikTok, and Patreon in the show notes below. Thank you so much for the support, and we will see you back here next week for your regularly scheduled programming on Blood and Business.